Good morning, travelers, pre-med students, and undergraduates. Welcome to Doctors In. This podcast features top-performing proactive physicians with whom we try to dissect what makes them the best in their respective specialties. I am your host, MD Hawk, and I am currently in the medical field. In this podcast, we try to ask the right questions to deconstruct study strategies, useful habits, constructive failures, and life lessons. Join us as we navigate through the different specialties in medicine. Today we are joined by a very special guest from Houston, Texas. Dr. Edward Chamada is a plastic surgeon who specializes in facial, breast, and body aesthetic surgery. Dr. Chamada received his plastic and reconstructive surgery training at the esteemed Baylor College of Medicine in Houston after graduating from medical school. He had the ability to train under Dr. Rod Rorick a renowned plastic surgeon where he learned advanced rhinoplasty and facelift techniques. He excelled in his class and received the Baron Hardy Award, which is a prestigious award granted for exceptional academic achievement. Dr. Chamada is an accomplished artist whose medical graphics and original artwork has been published in a number of medical magazines. Thanks to his years of art and sculpting training, Dr. Chamada is very meticulous in his surgical approaches. He had the opportunity to work with Dr. Calvin Jung as well, who chose him to join Premier Surgical Arts, uh, where he acquired award-winning body sculpting methods like body contouring, abdominal etching, and buttock augmentation. Dr. Chamada's written work has been published in a number of prestigious plastic surgery journals. You can find him on Instagram at D-R-C-H-A-M-A-T-A or his website at www.drchamada.com. It's very short and uh, simple, sweet to the point. So, with my pleasure, let's welcome Dr. Chamadi to the inn. Hello, Dr. Chamada. It's so nice to see you on this uh, lovely Sunday afternoon. How has your weekend been so far? Thanks so much. Super happy to be here and joining you guys. Um, it's been a great weekend, you know, just catching up on a, on a lot of the work from the week past and uh, preparing for the next week. So it's been nice to get also some workouts in, get time to relax and spend time with the family also. Is Sunday like your uh, chillaxed, you know, time? For the family and for yourself? Usually, yeah, usually, you know, I, I try to keep the entire weekend like that, you know, get some work done and uh, hang out with the family and whatnot. But things always pop up. It gets a little crazy at, at times. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So I just want to say congrats on launching your website. Uh, it's probably one of the best websites I've seen. Visually artistic, informative and very simplistic as well, which is good. I think it is one of the indirect ways someone can gauge your artistry and design interests. So to what extent was your involvement in the creation of the site? Yeah. Oh my gosh, man. I spent so much time um, with the marketing company, just kind of designing everything and, uh, you know, going through it multiple times. I had a specific vision in mind uh, and really wanted to see it come to life. I picked a marketing company who I thought could really help with that. And they did a great job, but it definitely took a ton of work to really get on the same page and make sure that everything that I wanted to kind of express was expressed with, uh, you know, the photos, the bios, everything like that. Yeah, I mean, it definitely came together to produce something really fantastic. Thank you. And just to uh, go on that note, plastic surgery definitely requires a keen attention to detail, body symmetry, aesthetics, complexions, and just knowing what works from patient to patient. So 
While technical and medical skills are definitely required, would you say someone who's interested in plastic surgery would need to be artistically inclined as well? I think it definitely does help um, a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, I wouldn't have to say that's a prerequisite to being a plastic surgeon because many people are probably artistically inclined. They just don't know it because they just haven't really put the time in to really kind of pay attention to art in different forms. I think, you know, being an artist beforehand, having trained in art, painting, sculpting, et cetera, definitely gets you the building blocks and gives you the eye to kind of see things in a different sense. And a lot of the same concepts kind of really apply for both um, art and plastic surgery at the same time, you know, even, you know, light shadows, um, depth, symmetry, all that stuff really translates from art to plastic surgery as well. So uh, in an alternate universe, Dr. Chamato would might be an artist. Oh, me? <laughs> potentially, yeah, potentially. Um, I do really enjoy doing that. And so that's why you know I've, I've always kind of tried to fit it in with uh, my research projects and medical um, chapters that I've written. Uh, really important for me to just kind of use that also to kind of express myself in, on that front and really just kind of integrate my hobbies essentially into my work, which is really nice. Definitely keeps your mind kind of clear, gives you some time, you know, some peace and uh, um, creativity as well. Perfect. Uh, so you mentioned that it's definitely like not a requirement, but it, it is a bonus to have. So my question is, what other characteristics or skills would you say is needed to be a competitive applicant for plastic surgery residency programs? You know, I think just really being a hard worker um, in the sense that you're willing to put in the time, really willing to put in the effort and just be like a humble person to make sure that you're able to take criticism from others that you don't feel like you're too big for anyone. You know, someone who obviously puts in the time academically, uh, puts in the time into research, really building the resume, and of course, having a strong foundation uh, in medicine, whether that's volunteering, shadowing, doing anything that's related to that. I see, I see. So um, would you say like any specific like classes for something like undergrad, like plastic polymers? Yeah, I don't, you know, honestly, uh, it's funny because, you know, undergrad, not a lot of it translates into medical school or into uh, into uh, residency or definitely not when you're working. Um, so it's just kind of a time where, you should use to really try to figure out if you're even interested in science, if you're interested in, right. you know, physiology, et cetera, because those are obviously the building blocks to what you're going to be really building on and studying on uh, in medical school. But um, nothing really specific in terms of actual subjects. I would definitely, you know, use the time in undergrad also to explore different fields, you know, explore philosophy, right. explore finance to see what you really like. Maybe you're more passionate about one of those than you are about medicine. And that really should tell you something about which route you should take in your life. Well said. So I would like to segue into a post that you had said something. So you said it is important for every patient to be informed about the risks of plastic surgery, not just the benefits. And it is apparent that you are trying to educate the public on the risk as well, which is highly commendable. I really liked your uh, plastic surgery complication series. I think Thank you. it featured lipo burns in the first episode. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yes. I always try my best to educate my patients, you know, in consultation, especially about the complications, potential dangers of the surgery, 
potential alternatives for them for the surgery. Uh, just because I never want anyone to feel like I'm not giving them my entire attention, that I'm not providing them with all the information they need to make an informed decision on their own. And I never want them to be surprised about anything that can happen because, you know, although complications are rare, they do happen and they happen to everyone, even with the best surgical technique, with the best possible um, post-op care, it just happens, unfortunately, sometimes. So it's really, really important for everyone to be informed on those things. And I know a lot of, a lot of doctors, either they may not have the time to do that, or they don't put in the time, or they are worried that if they tell the patients this, then they may scare the patient off. To me, that's more important for me to tell them and make sure they understand than to have them as a patient. You know, I, I would rather make sure that they are fully informed. So would you say your transition or taking your consultation advice and putting it on the web, on your Instagram, for instance, would you say it's because you noticed, you know, during your consultations that patients were having an unrealistic or an over high expectation of their surgical procedures or things like that? Partially, yes. I think for the most part, I just want to put out this information to the general public. So anyone who, you know, if they don't come to me, I tell my patients all of this in, in my consultation anyways. But if they're not coming to me, then at least they have the information at hand for whenever they do go to another surgeon. Because, you know, obviously I can't expect every single patient to want me as their surgeon, uh, but I do want all of them to be informed. And it's funny because now I get a lot of patients that come to me in consultation and they tell me, oh, I saw your video on lipo burns. That was so informative. Thank you so much. And then they ask, you know, one or two additional questions on it. But it's, you know, obviously not the 30 minute video that I did on it or the 20 minute video that I did on it. So it's definitely much shorter, much shorter in terms of what they, they've already know all that stuff. I would love to see more of that series in the future. And I'm, I'm pretty sure other people would too. Yeah, thank you. I'm definitely going to be putting out more videos for sure. Perfect. So since we're on the topic of misconceptions or, you know, how the practice uh, of plastic surgery is. I would say plastic surgery is probably on the spotlight as number one for from the media as being misconstrued, probably due to the amount of recognition it gets as a specialty. Uh, and what I mean by that is that this specialty is usually associated with celebrities. So does this make it hard to convey to the general public that plastic surgery is indeed accessible and it is natural? It can be natural, you know, not to mention the reconstructive surgery outside of just cosmetics as well. Right. Yeah. I mean, in the cosmetic realm, for sure, you know, you really only see or hear about plastic surgery when it goes bad, you know, or when you see someone who just obviously looks like they've had plastic surgery done because it may be overdone or just done poorly. You never really hear about like good cosmetic surgery right. or something, you know, because that's really more like subtle changes or changes that look totally natural. So in that, on that front, you know, obviously it gets a bad rep. And of course, some celebrities who kind of overdo it, they give them, they give it a bad rep too. Um, nowadays, obviously, it's super, super common. It's way more accepted than it probably was 10 years ago. It's more talked about. It's more, it's more accepted as something that's totally fine, nothing to be ashamed of. And it really isn't anything to be ashamed of. Obviously, you know, the goal is to make sure that you're more confident, that you're living your best, most happy life. And if you don't like something about yourself and have the ability to change it, then that's great. That's what you should do. Uh, ultimately, knowing and understanding that there, of course, are risks to that and that ultimately that's something that's going to really 
be something beneficial in your life. Yeah, you mentioned a natural look. And I think that's where you kind of shine the most is producing natural, you know, results. And we have seen that from time and time again, with the videos that you have on your Instagram, things like that. So yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, I, I really try to make sure that's a that's a point that I address in surgery, you know, even if it takes me 10 minutes here, 10 minutes here longer, uh, to make something look more natural, I'm going to spend the time to do it. Um, just because I want the best for my patients. It's not a money thing for me. I just really want them to feel as best as possible, look as best as possible and just be overall happy with what they've, what they've got. So would you say having an Instagram page helps remove some of the stigma from plastic surgery? I know a lot of other plastic surgeons are doing this nowadays. Yeah, I think so. You know, especially with uh, BBLs, Brazilian butt lifts, which, you know, I do um, a lot of many people kind of automatically assume that if you do get one, then it's going to look like, you know, a Kim Kardashian booty or right. something that clearly looks, you know, not proportional, not really commonly seen in the world, but that's not necessarily the case. You know, that's what, that's, what's nice about it. It kind of breaks down the stigma uh, and then really, really helps kind of inform patients on what can be achieved with these surgeries. So I like the fact that you just brought up BBLs because I think it's a good way to go into my next question. So you have been trained by some of the top surgeons in the field for both facial procedures like rhinoplasty, facelifts, and also body procedures, right? Like BBL, liposuction. So what were some of your favorite procedures to learn and why? Um, yeah, a great question. I think it's hard to really pinpoint one mm -hmm. just because there's so many and not only just cosmetic surgeries, really reconstructive surgeries, obviously in plastic surgery, uh, residency, you're training uh, both on reconstructive surgery and cosmetic plastic surgery. So I really see a wide, wide range of different complex surgeries. I think probably my favorites in the cosmetic realm, obviously liposuction, high definition liposuction and BBLs, probably my favorite alongside rhinoplasty, uh, just because of the in intricacy of the procedures, really the artistic detail that goes into it. Hmm. Yeah. I'd say one of the interesting things about plastics is that there's always a novelty factor in terms of the different patients you have and the variation in techniques needed for each procedure. So would you say uh, that is one of the appealing factors of plastic surgery, knowing that you can come up with a new technique that might work better for some patients? Exactly. I think that's what's so nice about it is that no two patients are exactly alike and it really does require you to tailor in surgical technique to fit each specific case that you're doing. Of course, there's the basic principles that you have to adhere by and basic safety principles. But other than that, it does provide you with a lot of creativity in terms of what you can do. Sounds good. You have been, you know, in the field of plastic surgery under mentorship, right? So again, going back to all the top performing doctors and you becoming one yourself. So what would you say is the best uh, skill to have when you are in the student position and you are mentoring, you know, some of the best? Yeah, I think, you know, it's so important to find a good mentor and really, really, um, you know, learn, try to learn as much as you can from them. Take as many notes as you can. Everything they say, really take it to heart. It really does kind of catapult your career uh, by tenfold. There's a a level of wisdom from doing something for a very long time. Exactly, exactly. And sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of it too. You know, you kind of want to try everything yourself 
and learn from your own mistakes, but it's definitely just better to learn from others. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of why, you know, books are very popular, like self-help books or things like that. There have been people who lived life and they're telling you, hey, this is what I learned. Yes, exactly. Exactly. All right. So I know that you are involved with research and literature being published in a lot of uh, journals out there. And so are you excited about any new research or any, any new techniques that can enhance some of the reconstructive or cosmetic surgical benefits? Yeah, you know, there's new research obviously coming out every day, especially in the reconstructive realm. Some of the most exciting research is really on reconstructive facial plastic surgery, for instance, research on using new technology to reconstruct the face after cancer, excisions, um, using bones from your leg to reconstruct your face using facial flaps and uh, providing new nerves to the face. Every time research is published, it really just builds on itself and elevates research to another level. It's really nice to be a part of things like that, just because it really does advance the field of medicine. What I wanted to dive into is you said you can use the bone to reconstruct the face like bone of, of your leg. Yeah. So, uh, you know, in microsurgery and reconstructive surgery, we can use the fibula bone, which is a bone that is essentially not specifically needed um, for function of your lower leg of your extremity. Uh, we can use that and connect the vessels going to it to vessels of the face uh, and essentially reconstruct the mandibular bone, the jaw bone with that fibular bone. Uh, we obviously will use plates to um, connect those to remnants of your previous uh, jaw bone. And um, it's a pretty complex operation now, you know, with the advances that we have, we actually have computer software that design the plates for us uh, with CT scans. We're able to figure out where to do the precise cuts and align those pieces together. So it really facilitates the process, makes it speedier, makes it um, less less prone to errors and really just improves results. So it, it really is cool. Very cool to see. No, I mean, yeah, of course. I think the main thing is that the ind individualistic approach of medicine um, going into the future, like how you mentioned doing a CT scan and then using the computer to have a model uh, to go off of, would you say, like, are there any similar kind of uh, advancements in the cosmetic realm that is individualizing the techniques? Absolutely. And, you know, even, even in the cosmetic realm, there's now virtual software that essentially can predict what your outcome will look like, essentially in terms of you know, for breast augmentation, for instance, there's software that can tell you, hey, with these certain implants, these certain size implants, you can see what you're going to look like. So for the patient, it's really nice because then they can kind of understand what their size looks like, what their breast shape is going to look like. I would like to kind of go back in time just a little bit and talk about your medical school experience, maybe your residency. So do you have any favorite failures from medical school or residency that really stood out to you or taught you a lot? That's a great question. That is a great question. I think, uh, you know, the first year of residency, and I think everyone kind of feels that way. Um, you know, you're scrubbing in, in surgery for, you know, the first time relatively, uh, you know, actually getting to do stuff for the first time relatively. And you're looking at 
senior residents who are five, six years ahead of you, and you see how good they are, and you see how fast they are, and you see how effective they are at suturing and um, at just you know seamlessly moving their hands and just making it look really easy. And then you're struggling to you know put in a suture, you're struggling to move okay. your hands the way you want them to move. Right. Maybe your hands are a, little, are a little bit shaky just because you know your intrinsic muscles in your hand aren't yet quite yet used to those kind of movements and uh, the tools that you're using. And so that can be very, very disheartening, uh, but it can also be really a motivational tool because you should look up to your, you should look at your fifth and sixth year residents and want to be like them. And if you start wanting to be like them earlier on, you're going to push yourself, you're going to drive yourself to really, really put in the work and never be satisfied with saying, oh, it's okay. I'm a first year resident. I should be at this hmm. level or whatever it is. You should really just want to be at a higher level at all times. And really that's, some, that's something that definitely drove me to you know, study harder, work harder, practice suturing and tying uh, at home, spend countless hours um, you know, putting in that extra work that really no one's going to see, but they'll see it really in what you're producing. It's very interesting you say that because from the amount of conversations that I've had with top achieving doctors at their respective fields, it seems like you do need a level of obsession in terms of perfecting your your techniques and, and your skills. Absolutely. And I think a lot of it is also, you just need to be passionate about whatever you're doing. If you're not, if you're just not passionate about it, you're just not going to get to that level where you have that obsession that really drive to always be better and perform better. Um, you know, I, that was kind of me and a lot of my rotations and, and residency where even though they were surgical rotations, I just wasn't motivated there because I didn't specifically like that, what surgery they were performing, or it just mm -hmm. didn't appeal to me on some level. And so that's why it's so important to really rotate through all surgical fields, rotate through all medicine fields and pick something that you are truly, truly passionate about. Um, otherwise, you're just not going to be happy. You're not going to be motivated to work harder. You're just going to want the day to end. And really in the, in the state when you're a physician, most of your life is spent at work. Right. <laughs> it really would be a terrible, terrible, terrible life to spend if you're spending it doing something you don't like. We obviously just talked about passion. And I would even say that having a good team to work with, so for residency, for instance, is very much needed. I, I think in one of your posts, you also mentioned, and I quote, just like any team-based situation, maintaining proper communication with other surgeons on the team and forming a proper surgical plan preoperatively is extremely critical to providing the best patient outcomes. Would you say that is definitely the case for all scenarios? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, definitely being around a good team is crucial to, to, to your success because you want to be around people that have a good attitude, that have a positive attitude, that are hardworking and that like will motivate you to be a better person, to be a better physician. Um, you know, obviously there's residency programs that are more on the malignant side. There's residency programs that aren't like that. There's residency programs somewhere in between. Um, you know, I urge everyone to, to really look into those residency programs before making the decision. It shouldn't be just solely based on the name of the program 
Uh, it should really be based on how you get along with the staff, how you long, get along with the uh, residents there, and then really choose them based on that and just based on what kind of skill set the residents coming out of those programs are, are um, you know, achieving. That's why I chose Baylor College of Medicine for my residency program. Um, yeah. I thought they were the top tier, top notch out of all um, out of all residents um, that I came in, in contact with. The sixth year residents, the last year senior residents, were some of the most skilled surgeons that I've seen. So I knew that I wanted to be somewhere like that. Mm-hmm. And the environment there was just so positive. Everyone was so welcoming and friendly, and the residents got along with each other. Um, the um, staff and the uh, physicians, senior physicians, were really great at teaching and really giving you firsthand experience in surgery. And that's something that really cannot be replaced. Yeah, yeah. Would you say that is the case right now for your practice? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You want people around you that are, again, hardworking, positive. That's the most important thing. And, you know, for me, I work with Dr. Jung. He is always super positive, always wants me to do better and be a better surgeon and wants himself. He puts that on himself as well. So even though he's widely known as one of the best BBL surgeons in the nation now, um, he still wants to do better. He still wants to elevate his technique. And that's something that really motivates you to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and just really having an all around team that is supportive, that is willing to help you, that is really going to work hard to make sure that your life is easy and that you know they're facilitating everything for you because it is a team effort and everyone needs to really pull their part to make it something special. Beautifully said. What would you say is kind of like the day-to-day, like a typical day of of your practice? Like Yeah, so usually, you know, um I'll wake up around, you know, 4:30, 5 a.m. or so, maybe catch up on a little bit of work um from the day before, just you know, read up on some research article or something new just to keep up to date with everything. Um, and then just go to work around, probably get there around six or six thirty AM and start operating till about one or two, uh, and then see some clinic patients in the afternoon. That's, that's the usual typical day. Perfect. Sounds good. So are there anything specific that you're looking forward to, uh, like in terms of your practice, um, something new to come for me, it's just always, Interesting to see how, you know, trends in plastic surgery uh, move forward because, you know, beforehand, maybe a few years ago, everything was kind of for the more exaggerated look. Everything was the more fake look, you know, mm-hmm. breast augmentation was always like the bigger size, uh, you know, for butts, even the bigger size, uh, facelifts, everything was really pulled super tight, you know, more of a, on the fake look. Now everything's kind of transitioning to a natural look. And it's interesting to see how that evolves over time and how that becomes more socially acceptable, et cetera. That's that's great. And I think you will be one of the doctors who will be at the frontier of this new uh, you know, natural revolution, uh, so to say. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. That's that's kind of my goal is to really kind of preach that to everyone else and um, you know, set a different kind of standard for what we should be providing our patients and really trying to, like I said, elevate our techniques and making sure to always improve on them. That's how we evolve as as a species. That's how we evolve as surgeons. And really, it's all about giving back to the patients, making sure that they come first and, you know, keeping that in mind when we're 
really doing anything. Yeah, everything with the patient in mind. So with that said, now, unfortunately, I think we're near the end of the podcast. However, as per the title of the podcast, Doctors In, let's just go through a guided story as a closing remark. So we like to imagine that you are a traveler who stopped by Doctors In to rest for lunch. But then before you leave, the innkeeper, which is me, asks you to share one quote or piece of advice that really stands out to you so I can frame it on my wall. Uh, what would that piece of advice be? It can be something you live your life by, for example, a principle or an ideology. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I always go back to, you know, my mentor, Dr. Rorick, he always preaches to do what you love and make sure that you really make that your passion. And that's so important in life just because you always see people unhappy, at, you know, in their job and their personal life. And no one wants to live life like that. It's not about the money at the end of the day. It's about doing something that you're passionate about, something that you really feel strongly about uh, and something that's going to make you happy because it's a short life. Might as well live it the best we can. Mm, here, here. Okay. So I think that's about it. Thank you so much, Dr. Chamada, for taking your time out for this. I walked out of our conversation with a lot more knowledge, I mean, of, of plastic surgery. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. All right. A major thank you to all you lovely homo sapiens who stopped by Doctors In. All our show notes can be found on www.doctorsinpodcast.com. You can also search up Doctors In Podcast on Instagram and on YouTube to watch our animated videos for each of our episodes. Also, don't forget to check out Dr. Chamada's Instagram. See you next time. Bye. Bye.